Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. There's no such thing as good or bad people, and there's no such thing as bad things. There's just learning. Was it bad that I got betrayed three times? Well, it didn't feel good, if that's what you mean, but it was absolutely critical for my growth. So would I call that bad? Man, now having the distance from it and the learning from it, I wouldn't have traded the experience for the world. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. When you experience pain, when you repeatedly endure the same suffering, that's reality asking you to participate. That's the highest form of accountability. Some of us will just wait for the acute pain to pass and move on without doing anything. Some of us will seek out a distraction, which has never been easier in this world. Others will superficially change, change what they're doing in an effort to get a different result. But when life is pushing you hard to change, you can't just change your actions. You have to change yourself. A critical part of this process is learning to differentiate between your thoughts and yourself. And in this episode, I'll walk you through the process of disidentification. This series is taken from the second session of a course called Accountability Path 2.0. So if you're interested in this content, you may want to look at the full course. It's available at courses.clearandopen.com. Speaking of courses, I want to tell you about the upcoming course for Clear and Open's 2020 summer quarter. It's called Clear Thinking 2, Paradigmatic Analysis. It begins July 2nd and runs nine weeks. For human beings, results are the consequences of actions. And actions stem from conscious intentions. But where do our intentions come from? Have you ever thought about that? Intentions come from often unconscious motives driven by our largely unconscious paradigm. Your paradigm is your picture of what life is, why we're here, the cause of human suffering, the path to end that suffering, and based on all of that, what's good and what's bad in any moment. All human beings operate inside a paradigm. Most of them are oblivious to it. The result is their incoherent patchwork values cause them to live confused and painful lives. And when a person cannot see their own paradigm, they also cannot see another's, which results in unnecessary conflict, disappointment, and breached trust. People constantly tell you about their deepest values and beliefs if you know how to listen. Often they tell you things they don't even want you to know. This information is invaluable when deciding who to trust and how much and with what and critical in leadership and management. This course reveals one of my most treasured secrets, if you will. I use paradigmatic analysis constantly. It's one of the ways I shock people by seeing dysfunctional business themes in minutes that take some of my colleagues years. This course, if you take it seriously, will make you the smartest person in the room. This is both a promise and a warning because that status comes with it a price. Everything does. For more information and registration, go to courses.clearandopen.com and look for Clear Thinking 2. Clear and Open Dojo members get access to the live course starting July 2nd. If you like these podcasts, consider becoming a member to take your growth to the next level. 
Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. So in the process of disidentifying from your mind or whatever it is that is the what's called for in order to get bigger than the thoughts that produce anxiety, depression, anger, whatever it is, that process of disidentification is going to confront you with something. Who are you? Right? Because you may not like the anxious or depressive thoughts and be happy for those to have less of a grip on you. But when they go or really differentiate from you, they're going to take some stuff with you that you thought was you. It's not just the parts of you you don't like that go. Some parts of you that you do like go. And guess what? You don't get to know what they are in advance. Right? You don't get to know. So, for example, I didn't realize this, but for a long time, I identified myself, I grounded myself through how I judged other people. Judging other people is actually a very grounding thing to do. That's one of the reasons why we do it. That person is this, I'm not that. Yeah, go me, right? That's sort of what happens. And it happens all the time, right? Especially when you're driving. This person's too slow. This person's an idiot. They've had their signal on for the last six miles. This person's polluting the environment with their exhaust. Judgment, 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 judgment. Well, you don't really realize what that's doing for you until it starts to go. And you start to see how disorienting it is when you're not judging constantly like that. But the first step is seeing what that's doing to you. To see like, okay, you know, well, I'm not hurting that person. That person with the signal on for six miles, they don't know I'm judging them. No, they don't. Probably. But how does it feel to you? What's your experience of life when you're judging them? Are you enjoying that? Are you enjoying your experience of you in life? Hating that person with their signal on for maybe it's just five seconds or that person who cuts you off, fantasizing about running them off the road for a couple minutes. How are you enjoying that? Because you're causing yourself suffering. And these little breaks, we're just using one example of judgment, but for any person, there's usually dozens of these kinds of channels, if you will. These little contractive breaks, they become part of your personality. They become part of the way you experience reality. And they screen out all sorts of stuff, right? For example, some of you heard the story of uh, when I disciplined myself to go back to the emotionally abusive uh, car inspector here on Hawaii. And I fell in love with a mentally ill, abusive woman. That was an out-of-Joseph experience that was life-changing. Because that kind of experience of people is available all the time. And it's these little judgments that interrupt the flow of that. They cause you to live in constant delusion, which, by the way, is what depression is, or a chronic state of anxiety, or a chronic state of anger, or resentment, or whatever. These are delusional states that cause you suffering. 
and they're waiting for you to get curious about how they work enough so that they can let go of you. So I understand why people don't do it. Absolutely. Because when you pull on the string of some kind of chronic pain, some kind of chronic suffering, you have no idea where it's going to take you. It may resolve in a week or it might become a four decade adventure. You have no idea. That's part of how it works because the process is going to change you. So there's that choice you have. The pain is accountability, whether it's rage or depression or a headache or difficulty focusing, whatever the problem is, if it has any kind of pattern to it, it's an invitation. It's an invitation from life in the form of a kind of accountability that says something's out of balance here. So here's some pain to get your attention. Now, what will you do with it? You've been married four times and they were all kind of the same person. You've been fired six times for the same reason. You keep running into the same problem at work. You keep working with the same kind of clients who really don't satisfy you. Whatever that is, it's life's way of getting your attention and saying, hey, there's something for you to learn here. And then what will you do with it? Will it go on the road that says, well, I don't think I need to change anything here. Let me just come up with a new strategy to do this job differently or find a different mate, you know, some other way, or I'll make a list of the ideal qualities for my next spouse and intentionalize it that way. Or maybe I'll change industries or whatever. That outside kind of stuff. Or the other fork in the road is, hmm, I'm the common denominator here. What is my contribution? Five years ago, I was betrayed by my best friend, my teacher, and my wife. All in the course of 18 months. It was not a good time. It was probably the very bottom of my life. But it wasn't until the third betrayal where I was like, okay, I'm the cause here. Sure, they have their contributions. They did this, they did that, but there's no power in that. What's life trying to teach me? And then I was lying in bed one night and I saw like a vision, like a, a parade of all of the authorities that have been in my life from my parents to my teachers to um, martial arts teachers, spiritual teachers therapists who acted like authorities, business partners who were authorities. And I saw, wow, I've had one authority or another over me my entire life. And at that time, I was, I don't know, 43, 44. It's fine to have an authority over you all the time, you know, up to a certain point, I think. But I saw like, I always had that. I was always choosing that. And that was when I got the way in which I didn't trust myself. That there was this corner of me that just didn't trust myself and needed some other that I sold out my trust to so that he or she would tell me what to do and I didn't have to rawly and immediately and 
and alonely interact with life. And that was my contribution. And it was so important for me to learn that, that I attracted three vicious betrayals. Now, I'm grateful I woke up when I did. It's been one of the most important lessons of my life. But you can imagine how seductive it would have been to play victim to those betrayals and just go my whole life being like, well, those people suck and I'm awesome and I'm going to choose better people, which is a lovely idea, you know? And I, you know, I saw other ways in which I was choosing people who were not good for me, which went all the way back to my childhood. So, and then after that, a turning point happened and I started to attract people in my life who were like so good for me, it was like winning the lottery. It's like, what? How could this be? These people are supportive and nourishing and interesting and kind. It was like those people didn't exist before. I didn't know that was possible. Well, yeah, because there was a part of me that needed something else and was attracting that kind of suffering. See, that's how suffering works. You draw the experiences to you that you most need to learn from. So this societal bromide we have of why do bad things happen to good people? You starting to see how absurd this is? There's no such thing as good or bad people. And there's no such thing as bad things. There's just learning. Was it bad that I got betrayed three times? Well, it didn't feel good, if that's what you mean. But it was absolutely critical for my growth. So would I call that bad? Man, now having the distance from it and learn the learning from it, I wouldn't have traded the experience for the world. While it was happening, yeah, I would have traded anything for that experience, right? That's how pain is. So how quickly can you get to that meta perspective of what is this teaching me? How is life inviting me to change? That's your participation with the accountability of life. If you get this, then it will automatically translate into how people hold you accountable and how you hold other people accountable. Because personal accountability I'm offering here is just a micro expression of a macro design of life itself. In other words, accountability is as much part of life as the food chain. You know, small animals eat the plants, bigger animals eat those animals. It just is. That's what I'm saying. So when you can participate with that and not resist that, it automatically changes the way you see accountability with other people and, and those with you. Let me say a little bit more about that. To the degree you don't see the accountability path that life has you on, what it's teaching you through suffering, what it's teaching you through pain, to the degree you don't see that, you're not going to be able to see how it's happening for other people because everybody's on this. And when you get good and facile with this, you can determine what life is trying to teach a person in a matter of minutes. They'll tell you. 
sort of between the lines and, and hinting it. This is an enormous part of how I work. I don't come from what do I want this person to learn. I ask my clients, what do you want? What's in the way? What's the pain you're in? And I listen for how they talk about it. How bad they want it, what they've tried, what they've not tried, what they're unwilling to try. And what emerges from that is a picture of what life is doing with them. And so I act as a kind of facilitator as best I can. I'm certainly, I'm not life, right? So I try to tune in and be like, okay, what's life trying to do with them? Oh, you know, uh, for example, this client I was talking about recently, client presents with uh, complaints of um, employee retention issues, people not being forthcoming with him, and a desire to grow the business. His employees present with feeling micromanaged, undermined, and afraid of their boss. So I just go, oh, life wants them all to get in a room and have a conversation about how they impact each other. Because when I go, well, have you told them that? They go, no, how could I do that? Right. So that's what I'm going to be working on, proposing that. So that's why this question of how is life holding you accountable? How is it trying to change you? Well, it's, I mean, it's the most important question in your life if you choose to ask it. But uh, the good news is now you know it. The bad news is if you choose to ignore the question, life will kick your ass because it doesn't care about your preference to feel good. Have you noticed? The headache just doesn't, doesn't go away because you've got work to do, right? You can't say, yeah, I know life, my posture sucks, but can you just go away for a while? I need to focus on this. Life's like, no, it's an issue right now. Have you ever noticed that sometimes the life lessons when they come, you're just like, okay, I got it, but not now. It's so inconvenient sometimes, isn't it? It doesn't care because its timing is right. Just like, how do you know it should be raining, right? Because it is. How do you know you should be in pain? Because you are right now. So now at this time in history, there are more pills you can take to make the pain go away than ever. And if you don't have access to pills, well, there's many other distractions. Social media is a good one. You can distract yourself from pain better than before. Why do you think our society is declining? Because we're not learning anymore. Not as quickly as we need to. And how is life holding us accountable? Gee, you wanted to get from A to B really fast? Okay, cool. You made a combustion engine. That's amazing. Now check out the consequences of that. But we like going really fast from A to B. We don't want to have to look at you know the 30 days of record heat here in Hawaii in the last month or the unusually hot summer in, uh, in Alaska or the increasing hurricanes or whatever. I don't want to look at that. Let's just pretend it's not happening so we can continue to go from A to B really fast. Because, you know, changing our dependence on fossil fuels, well, that could be really disruptive, right? That would change, could change how politics works, will definitely change the economy. 
you know, and all those people making combustion engines and fixing those things, well, they'll have to find new jobs. They don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You see, the central issue of that is the relationship to change and the unknown and accountability. Life is holding us accountable to how we've treated the environment with climate change. That's it. And the proof is in the pudding. Look at how so many people react. It's just a total denial. No, I don't want to have to deal with that headache right now. Let's just wait a little longer. Well, then what happens? It gets worse, doesn't it? Because what, what happens when you ignore the accountability of life is it gets louder. It doesn't just go away. Like, well, I guess the, you're not ready for that lesson. I guess they're busy. Or, you know, would rather be doing something else. So I'll just give up. No, it just finds another way to get your attention, doesn't it? So what a teenager does, an emotional teenager, which many adults still are, teenagers procrastinate. They resist. They assert their will and say, I don't need to learn this lesson. I'll decide what the lesson is here. And then they wait for external consequences to hold them accountable. I don't need to fill the car up with gas when I return it to my parents. I'm just going to not do that. And then they're inviting the parents to say, hey, guess what? You don't get to drive the car for a week. Oh, that's not fair. No, that's cause and effect consequences that you're learning about. Understandable. You're a teenager. You don't yet get that your actions have consequences and you have to look at them. But when you're an adult, the degree to which you can learn from those pains and, and embrace accountability and go, woohoo, got some pain going on here. I can't wait to learn the lesson. That's what an adult does. And there are not many of them. That's the difference. An adult loves accountability. They don't dread it because they can relate to it in a way that is in their self-interest because they're beyond the need for instant gratification and feeling good all the time. And they're sober with the fact that they learn and grow the most through dealing with pain. That's, the, that's an adult, emotionally mature orientation. And it's not, I don't think, an attainment. It's something you move toward from the time you're 12. And you get better and better at it. And the reward is when you listen really well to the notices and nudges of life, the whispers of, hey, you're a little bit off track here. The reward is your suffering is kept at bay. You see, life doesn't ever have to yell because you listen to the whisperings. That's the reward. The price you pay is a significant part of your own personal will. You see how that works? Because if you think you know better than life, life is going to set you straight and it's going to hurt. Same way you think if you think you know better than your manager, and the fact is that you don't, what's going to happen there? Right? What's going to happen? 
you're going to get set straight. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.